0: Today's scripture reading is Acts chapter 9, second half of verse 19 through the end of the chapter, verse 31. Actually, not the end of the chapter, through verse 31, sorry. It is found on page 517 if you're using one of the church Bibles, and as always, if you need a Bible, feel free to take one of the church Bibles home. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they decided to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. When the church throughout Judea, I'm sorry, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning church family. I hope that you had a wonderful time of communion together. Thank you Mark for leading that. Uh, This is not how I was planning to do today's service. Uh, Looking forward to gathering with you and and taking communion together, but that's just not going to happen today. Uh, After nap time yesterday, Elijah spiked a temperature and it continued through the evening and the night and got worse. And so he's at about 103, a little bit over that. Um, and taking Tylenol has helped, uh, so we're grateful for that. But we're going to talk with the doctors and just figure out what our next uh, steps are because we just want to take care of him this uh, during this time. And, you know, with COVID-19, you just have to take every precaution. So that's what we're doing today, and I'm just recording the service in advance that I can uh, help out with Elijah and, uh, and the family. So uh, if you'd bear with me, uh, you know, this is just something a little different. Um, I guess maybe it's something a little bit uh, normal, right? Because for the last three months we were doing it uh, like this. But uh, today I'm just going to go ahead and record it and then um, John and Julia and the team will uh, play the, the sermon video. So uh, thank you, Andy, for reading the scripture passage, Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 31. Uh, this sermon's called Three Life Lessons for New Believers. So I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer and we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that uh, we get to worship you and and get to know you and hear from you through your word, Lord. And we give you thanks for the gift of technology that we can, um, use it in this way to, to serve your church, to serve each other, to love you. And Lord, I pray that, uh, you know, that you would speak through me, speak through this camera, speak to the hearts and the minds of those that are online or those that are in person at Cornerstone. Lord, would you keep, uh, keep them healthy, keep our people healthy and strong. And, um, Lord, would Your will just be done, Lord? Uh, we we trust in Your sovereignty. We trust in Your goodness, and uh, we love You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, one of the most exciting things for me as a Christian—I've so been a Christian for a long time. I came to Christ when I was about four years old. Uh, uh, really, at a young age, uh, I, I was—I uh, remember being interested in, in coming to Christ because of my my brothers coming to Christ. And I went in and I asked my mom and she was sitting uh, on a blue couch. We had this old blue couch. And I expressed her like, hey, I want to be a Christian. And so she knelt down with me beside the couch and we prayed. And, uh, you know, uh, I I don't remember exactly what we said. Um, I'm assuming we were like repented of the sin and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But I remember something like, you know, I'm going to trust and serve you forever. And and uh and I walked into the next room and to my brothers and said, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Uh because, you know, I had this picture in my mind that Christians, well, if they're gonna serve God forever, like they must be slaves. And I didn't want to be a slave. Uh and so it was a very short conversion. Um and so we all have like those those experiences, if you've come to Christ, of 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 becoming a new believer. And uh it's an interesting time period, it's an exciting time period. And maybe this helps you think of your your own time, but maybe you're someone who has recently come to Christ or is thinking about coming to Christ. Uh, And so I just kind of want to talk about three life lessons for new believers from the story of Saul. We know him mostly as Paul uh, in the the New Testament, but he's still being called Saul where we are in the book of Acts. And so I hope that this sermon can encourage you if you're a new Christian, uh, that things are going well and... um, We just want to help you. We want to plug you in. We want to uh, help you grow as a Christian with your walk with Jesus. But this sermon is also for those that might consider themselves like a long-time believer or maybe like an intermediate believer, been a a believer for a couple years. We want to help you grow and flourish in your walk too. And one of the ways that we do that uh, is by helping younger believers, right? Uh, Where we We pour into them and somehow it like re-energizes and revitalizes us. And that's really exciting. So no matter where you are in your walk, we hope that, I hope that today's message can encourage you. So we're looking at Saul. He's a new convert. uh, And I want to take three life lessons uh, uh, from uh, this time. Life lesson number one is share the excitement for Jesus. Life lesson number one is share the excitement for Jesus. See, as a new believer, one of the best things you can do is just share Christ. Uh, tell others about him. Uh, this is so exciting to see. Like, uh, typically when we we come to faith, like, we're excited about it. We want to tell others. Maybe you don't want to be like me and just, like, immediately deny the faith. Uh, but <laughs> many of us, when we really think about what we're doing, like, we get it gets excited. We're, we've experienced God's grace in our lives, and we want to tell others. And that's natural, and that's good. We want to encourage that. Uh, and this is a little bit like Saul, uh, when he, uh, is converted. So he comes to Christ on the Damascus road, right? Jesus appears to him in this blinding vision and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, and Saul realizes like he has been persecuting the Christians. He's been persecuting Christ and he's just completely transformed. He, he, um, repents and believes in Jesus. Uh, and so then we, uh, enter this part of the story, Acts chapter nine, verse 19, be. that's like a fancy way of saying the second half of the verse for some days he was with the disciples at damascus so saul and immediately he proclaimed jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of god and all who heard him were amazed and said is not this the man who made havoc in jerusalem of those who called upon this name and has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So the the, the Jewish people in Damascus, they're, they're, they're confused, right? Uh, they're, they're asking themselves like, isn't this the guy that just like rode here, just traveled here to persecute the new Christians, to drag them away and throw them into prison? Like we were kind of geared up for a little inquisition here. And instead he's come and now he, he appears to be like a follower of this Christ, uh, you know, they're called the way. So he's a member of the way now, right? And uh, isn't, isn't like what's happened, what's changed in him? Now he's talking about just Jesus, Yeshua. And he's saying that Yeshua is the, the son of God, right? Uh, and that he is the, uh, the Christ, the Messiah, the he- uh, Greek, uh, the, the Greek word for uh, Messiah is Christ. Uh, the Hebrew word is uh, uh, Messiah. So this is really a significant moment, and and Saul is actually kind of already beginning to communicate to these Jewish people based on their understanding of the Hebrew Scriptures, the, the Old Testament. See, God promised a man named David. He was the most famous king of Israel, um, probably the best one, apart from Christ. Uh, and uh, God promised uh, David that one of his descendants would sit on his throne and would be God's special chosen king. And that's really what Messiah means. God's special chosen king. Uh, am I a, a Messiah, the word itself, means anointed one or anointed king. So this is how uh, God identifies one of King David's descendants as both a son and a king. This is really cool. So I'm going to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. That's 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 14. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." So you, you can make the argument, like, isn't this talking about Solomon, you know, the son of David, you know, Solomon built a house. Uh, but I think it's talking about a, an eternal house, an eternal throne. I think it's really talking about that son of God, that 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 Messiah, that Christ figure. So, so he says, like, he shall be a son to me. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, and his his throne will be established forever. That's pretty amazing. And we see that fulfilled in, in Christ as he is uh, the son of God, and and he receives uh, God's throne. Uh, When he ascends into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, Now, it doesn't just matter what Saul is saying, the claims he's making about Jesus, that he's divine, but also the Messiah. It also matters where he is saying it. So he's saying it in the synagogues. He's saying it in the synagogue. uh, And this is where the Jewish people would have studied the law, the prophets, and yearned for the Messiah, uh, and so it, I was trying to think of like, what would a modern day example be of this? Uh, so Graceland is where Elvis Presley uh, lived. It was his home. You can look up the pictures on Google, it's amazing. Uh, it's like this uh, fantastic, uh, I don't know if the word is uh, classic interior, but it's an older interior, uh, very lavish. Uh, it'd, be go, it'd be like going to Graceland and telling the people that work there and that are there to, to see Graceland and celebrate Elvis To say like guys like elvis is alive (laughs) elvis is alive and of course they kind of roll your eyes their eyes that you you know there are conspiracy theories out there about him being alive but then if you actually made like a logical and a reasonable argument essentially proving that elvis was indeed alive like i don't think the people would know what to do with you they wouldn't know how to respond this person they care so much about is around still is is here uh now Jesus actually like died and rose again. So that's not kind of the point, but the point is that like Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the figure that these people were waiting for. Uh, Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is God's special chosen King. And that was just a baffling and confusing message for, uh, these Jewish people. Uh, now, uh, Lesson number one, right, is share the excitement for Jesus. And that's what we see Saul doing here. He's just, he's sharing the excitement. He's talking about Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He's teaching about Jesus. And maybe you've seen someone come to faith in Christ or you recently have come to faith in Christ. And like the, the kind of the things we see is like posting on Facebook, right? Or just like calling friends to tell them or, uh, you know, sharing on, on Facebook about like how great Jesus is or how great the church is. I don't know, Maybe maybe your friend has done other things. Um, but I know that this can weird people out, right? <laughs> like, uh, you know, like, that's great for you. You're a Christian, but, uh, you know, uh, just keep it to yourself, right? I think we should embrace the weird. As your pastor, that's my my word of encouragement to you this morning. Embrace the weird. Embrace the excitement. Uh, you know, kind of going back to my, my story, obviously, I, I had mixed emotions when I came to Christ when I was four years old, but Uh, When I was about 17, um, I I went through a time where I really got uh, serious about my faith. Uh, And I viewed it as like my mission to tell people about Jesus. And I would tell classmates and uh, I started writing uh, like an email list. Uh, I started writing devotionals that I would send out to an email list. And 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 if I'd get an email from like a classmate, I would add them to the email list without asking them like there was no there was no like signing the consent form for this Uh, this was just jonathan adding people to his email list and most people liked it i did get at least one person that was like can you please take me off your your uh, uh, uh proselytizing uh email list and i don't know how effective that email list was at like converting people but i was trying to just share that i was excited about jesus and i was growing in him and i was trying to share what i learned Uh, i could have used like a mentor or something guiding me but i I didn't have that at the time Uh, so uh, all that to say is like you know take if, if you are a new christian if you've just come to christ recently or you're thinking about it um and you do like take that enthusiasm and just run with it uh don't be ashamed just be bold tell others Get excited, you know. Um, we can't control how others respond. Just just share the message. Obviously, you know, be thoughtful and wise. And um, if someone tells you to take them off your, uh, you know, email list, uh, then uh, that's that's probably something you should do. Uh, I call it spamming for Jesus now. Um, so now, uh, if you're a longtime believer, uh, let's encourage the enthusiasm right? Like it, it can be kind of messy when people come to Christ and they're not like familiar with all the church lingo and all the church kind of liturgy, the, the way we do things. I think that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. Let's just encourage the excitement because that's what really matters, right? Being excited for who Jesus is uh, and that he, he came to rescue us from our sins and he, he died and he rose again. And I, I just can't think of a more exciting message that like Jesus died, he rose again, He's ascended, he, he reigns, he's that king that Saul was talking about, and he's ruling over everything. Like that just changes, not just my eternal state, but like all of reality has changed because of that. And that's really exciting to talk about. So life lesson number one is to share the excitement for Jesus. Life lesson number two is that God works in failure. Life lesson number two is God works in failure it's okay to fail because god is still using that to build his kingdom i want us to look at kind of Saul, because you know it looks a little bit like a failure uh, in this passage verses 23 through 24. when many days had passed the jews plotted to kill him to kill saul but their plot became known to saul they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall lowering him in a basket I think it was with all those children's books, uh, like the children Bibles growing up. I would always remember that scene of Paul being lowered in a basket. And up until I studied this text, I don't think I could really place like when that happened in the story of Saul. But it's like right after he became a Christian, he, he's still in Damascus, the place he was going to persecute the believers. And suddenly he's being lowered in a basket out of that city because while well, the Jewish people are plotting to kill him there, that, that refuse to believe in Jesus. Like, that's pretty scary. Uh, I can't imagine being like a new convert and immediately um, having my life under threat. But I know that many people do experience that. Last week, I, I preached about uh, the least likely disciple, Saul. And I, I told a, a story of a, a Muslim coming to faith in Christ. And if you didn't hear that message, please go check it out uh, because uh, there was higher risk for him. Uh, but, uh, we can, we, we do know that this, like this affected Saul, this, this, uh, this impacted him. This wasn't just like a, oh, I brushed it off. Like, uh, in this time he, he describes his weakness, but God's strength. Uh, so if you go to second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 30 through 33, that's second Corinthians 11, 30 through 33. Saul talks about this incident. He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness the god and father of the lord jesus he who is blessed forever knows that i am not lying at damascus the governor under king aretas was guarding the city of damascus in order to seize me but i was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands i think it's just interesting that paul talks about or saul paul talks about his weakness right this, this, uh, this was an incident that he really didn't have a lot of power over. I can imagine it was, uh, emotionally draining, uh, you know, very challenging time. He was in danger. His life was in danger, danger. Uh, and yet God was at work. God was at work in the failure. You know, Ananias had just laid his hands on Saul. Saul had, uh, kind of received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, been blessed. Uh, and, uh, you know, Saul was able to preach the gospel. Now, his preaching was inflammatory. Like he got chased out of the city. Uh, and that happens, uh, not once, but twice, uh, after Saul, uh, leaves Damascus, at some point he goes to Jerusalem, uh, and the Greek speaking Jews try to kill him just like they killed Stephen. Uh, but this time it's not the, the, uh, kind of the, the Jews that send him away, or the non-believing Jews, it's actually the fellow believers that send Saul away, right? So he goes to Jerusalem, begins preaching, and then all the Christians say, you know what, we're just going to send you away. Uh, verses 29 through 31 say this, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, uh, uh, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Now, maybe they were doing this for their own good, uh, for the good of Saul. I I assume they were, uh, but I think they were probably doing it for the sake of their own community because they just knew that Saul was like a guy who, when he's in, he is all in. Like He doesn't do anything halfway, Uh, and uh, it actually says that when uh, Saul went to Tarsus, Uh, Things actually got better for the believers in Jerusalem. That's not exactly a glowing reflection on Saul. Verse 31 says this, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now Saul is just left and the church is growing. Now obviously it could just be a a, a kind of a, a statement about the general health of the church. Um, but I think there's a little bit of an implication in here that, you know, like the, uh, the, family gathering, right. Where there's that one, that one uncle or, or honor that, like that relative that when they like leave or step out of the room, everyone kind of like takes a, take a, takes a sigh of relief, just says, whew, you know, and obviously not saying that about my family. If my, uh, my family's watching this, um, but you know what I mean? Or it could even be a friend, right? When, they're like, okay, that person's gone. We can relax now. It's, I feel like that's kind of how the, the early church felt about Saul. They're like, well, we're we're excited for his enthusiasm, but we can kind of relax now. He has left the building. Um, Now, uh, keep going, um, because God is still at work in Saul. Uh, and remember, that God told Ananias when he went to heal Saul and bring him to Damascus. So what what did God tell Ananias uh, in verses nine, verse uh, chapter nine, verses fifteen through sixteen? Uh, the Lord said this. But the Lord said to him, Ananias, go, for he, for Saul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles, and kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. When we think about suffering, we think, man, suffering is just a failure, right? Like sickness is a fail, failure, right? Like what did, what did we do that, you know, our kid is sick now? Or, uh, you know, what did I do that I'm sick now? Or I'm not feeling good or, uh, you know, I'm suffering. I, uh, you know, in my relationships, what did I do wrong? Right. And what if it's just God's plan? Like, what if it's just God's plan that, you know, we're going to suffer for his name? Uh, in fact, the new Testament talks a lot about suffering for Jesus, Uh, and that if we're too comfortable, if life's going too well, then it's like, you know, maybe we gotta pick up our cross and and follow him. Uh, My point is that sometimes something that looks like failure to the world, right? Suffering and pain, being kicked out of cities uh, is actually a success in God's kingdom. Like we can do the right thing and tell others about Jesus or um, or, uh, just be obedient to Christ in our walk, uh, and, you know, live ethically, um, um, speak the truth with love and things still go bad and we still suffer. Uh, and it looks like failure, but I don't think it's necessarily failure in God's kingdom, in God's economy. Uh, see, it sure seemed like failure when John Elliott, uh, and, uh, four friends, or I think it's Jim Elliot. I don't know why I wrote John Elliot. I got to change that here. Uh, 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 was martyred. So this this man and his four friends, they were missionaries to these uh, uh, Indians in Ecuador. And they were trying to reach an untru- unreached tribe for Jesus. Like this people that had never heard about Jesus. And they were speared. They were killed. Uh, they were martyred. And that sure looked like failure. But that story has gone on to inspire millions Uh, and it has gone on like they were able then to reach the tribe that killed them with the gospel. Right. And I know that there was an incident that happened recently where a man was trying to, uh, reach an unreached tribe with the gospel and he was martyred. And that sure looks weird in the world's eyes. It sure looks like failure, but in God's kingdom, I don't think it is. Uh, at Gordon-Conwell, although I don't remember seeing her in person, i have like this vague recollection that I might have seen her walking around. I never talked with her in person. A a fellow classmate named Joyce Lynn, uh, she graduated in 2017 from Gordon-Conwell and she had trained for years. She went to, uh, I think she went to MIT, uh, but then she went to Gordon-Conwell, got a degree, and then she joined Mission Aviation Fellowship, MAF in order to fly and support missionary efforts in foreign countries. Uh, and she recently was transporting uh, rapid COVID test kits and school supplies to a village in Papua, uh, Indonesia. Uh, and this is just two years after finishing seminary in 2019 uh, and her plane crashed and she died, right? Uh, so this is someone who graduated after me, serving the Lord, flying planes, sharing Christ, and not, not, not on the mission field for more than two years. And she's gone. She's with the Lord. And in the world's eyes, I think that can look like failure, right? That can look, uh, that looks really weird. It looks really weird. And it's really sad, but in God's kingdom, he's going to use that. He's going to redeem that. Um, this woman was willing to lay down her life, uh, to share Christ, uh, with others to put herself at, at risk. And that's that's a beautiful story. That's amazing. Uh, and we don't know what the ending is, right? Like, we don't know if there's going to be revival. We don't know if, you know, the, uh, it's going to be like uh, Jim Elliot and, uh, and his family. Uh, but we'll just wait and see what God does. And so I guess my question is, where have you failed for Jesus? Where have you blown it? You know, maybe you were like really exuberant for Christ and you alienated some family members and friends. God can still use you there's often more chances with those family members and friends, uh, or with other people where you learn like, okay, maybe I can be a little bit different in my approach next time around. When I was a teenager, you know, I just come to faith, uh, uh, in Christ and well, I came to faith when I was four, but I like, I kind of got more serious about my faith. Um, I, I just repented of some sins. I was doing some things. I was partying and, um, drinking and, you know, uh doing things with my friends and uh and then I'd like get up and go to church the next day. It, it was not a, a consistent Christian lifestyle. Like I was not a I, I theoretically believed in Jesus, but then I wasn't um I wasn't being honest about that. And, and it hurt. It hurt my inside. Like I I was so convicted and overwhelmed with guilt and sin. It was such a relief when I finally was like, "Hey, this is what I've been doing." And I confessed to um you know, my parents and I was able to kind of uh be renewed. Um, but in the process, you know, I, I, um, I, I, you know, I had, I had some friends that I was doing these things with, right. Having these good times with, and when I came clean and when I like essentially told on everyone, right, I was the tattletale. I really alienated them. Uh, and so it made me feel really great to like have this burden off my shoulders. Uh, but it, it alienated them and, uh, and I, I regret that part of it. Right. I wish it didn't have to, and obviously, you know they chose to respond a certain way, but um, but that was just a sad thing, right? And and uh, and there's failure in that, right? There's just there's sadness and there's failure and there's brokenness, and so we just confess that and say, Lord, this isn't how we wanted it. Would you heal this and keep us moving forward? And I I can't say that with those friends. I think the Lord has given me little moments of redemption uh, with them, like our relationship has never been restored to what it was. I don't think I want to go back to exactly what it was, but you know what? I'm not best friends with them, but I think the Lord has given us moments of redemption in those relationships. And so maybe you're thinking of a relationship that, you know, you unintentionally alienated or, or whatever, and God can give us moments of redemption, right? We're we're trying to speak grace. We're, We're trying to speak the gospel truthfully, but also graciously. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. And uh, we just got to keep going, trusting that God is working in our failure, right? Uh, and of course, out of that, that's when I started spamming everyone for Jesus. So that was a fun time. Uh, now, maybe your uh, failure has nothing to do with like sharing the gospel. Maybe you're a, a Christian or a, a new believer, or a longtime Christian who has fallen back into a pattern of sin, uh, unhealthy habit. Uh, you know, uh, Maybe you're wrestling with doubt or you're afraid of falling back into unbelief. Um, Maybe you're experiencing problems in your workplace or family or marriage. And you're just like, man, I just feel like I'm failing all over the place. Well, just to encourage us, like we are on a journey, right? We are on a journey. uh, And Christ wants to walk through this journey with us. Uh, And so life lesson number two is God works in failure. And so let's keep going. Whether you're new or, or or a more longtime believer, now I wanted to show you a map, uh, kind of at this moment, uh, and also just mention that maybe some of you have heard that like Paul went to Arabia around this time, and if you look up Galatians chapter one verses seventeen through eighteen, uh, it tells you that Saul was based in Damascus <clears throat> uh, for about three years. So he was in Damascus for about three years before he got thrown out, but at some point either after Damascus or during that time, he made a trip to Arabia. We don't know how long he was in Arabia. Uh, We don't know exactly what he was doing in Arabia. Perhaps he was reworking his theology and kind of reviewing through the scriptures and saying, okay, this is where I missed Jesus. Uh, Perhaps he was just repenting. Perhaps he was making some sort of spiritual pilgrimage. We don't actually know, but I do want to point out that like three years in Damascus, slash Arabia, and then 10 years in Tarsus, that is a long time. That's a long time. And uh, that, that like, we don't know much about this period, this 13 years, and it could sure look like a failure where, you know, Saul went home. He was uh, from Tarsus uh, and he went home and yeah, he became the greatest missionary of all time, but the beginning was a little slow. And so I think that um, maybe failure isn't really failure, but it's just it's just preparation, right? That God is going to use us to, to do something um, wonderful. And maybe it's not going to be as big as Saul of Tarshish, but uh, it can still be amazing. So life lesson number two is that God works in failure. Life lesson number one is that uh, share the excitement for Jesus. And the final one, life lesson number three is to find a friend for the journey. After Saul leaves Damascus slash Arabia, he travels south to Jerusalem uh, before heading to Tarshish, his hometown. Uh, But the people were really afraid of him. Like the the Christian believers, even though he had become a Christian, they were freaked out. (laughs) Because this is the guy that was persecuting us. Verses 26 through 28. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. But they did not believe, uh, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul needs a friend, right? He needs someone who loves and supports him. Uh, But not everyone has what what he needs. Like some people are filled with doubt. Some people are nervous. Uh, And yet Barnabas is uniquely gifted and called by God to essentially be an encourager, to to speak up for Saul. Uh, Back in Acts chapter 4, he's the one who sold a field and gave it to the church. Uh, And the apostles named him, I guess his name was Joseph, but they nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Uh, Barnabas has such a good reputation with the church that he could advocate for Saul. People would believe him. And that's what he did. He he stood up for Saul and uh, and and put his life uh, on the line for uh, for Saul. They form a friendship, and the next time we hear of Saul is when Barnabas actually goes up to get Saul. So Saul probably just would have stayed in Tarsus, but Barnabas goes to get him in Acts chapter eleven verse twenty five, uh, because he wants to do missions work with him. Barnabas has a special gifting. He sees what other people can't see. He sees in Saul. Uh, later we call him Paul, uh, uh, what what others can't. And in fact, uh, this actually leads him to kind of, uh, because he can see in other people what others can't, like uh, Saul and Paul get in an argument over uh, John Mark because uh, he wasn't the most faithful disciple and Barnabas wants to give him a second chance and Saul doesn't and actually leads to them kind of splitting uh, in their friendship. So they're, you know, Barnabas is clearly gifted and called, Uh, just to see the best in people. And I think that's the kind of thing that we should all be cultivating and uh, all be looking for, all trying to see the best in each other and trying to be that encouragement to one another, trying to be Barnabases to one another. Um, And you know, I I think, so there's a question here, how can you be a Christian friend to someone in our church or even outside of our church? Um, So if you're a new Christian, maybe you can find someone like a Barnabas to encourage you, affirm you, disciple you, mentor you. Or if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, maybe you could act like a Barnabas and be a friend uh, and find someone to encourage. Now, maybe you're neither new or longtime and you're kind of in that intermediate state. Well, maybe find someone who you can both kind of become Barnabases together. And like Paul and uh, or Saul and Barnabas, you know, maybe your friendship will last for a season or maybe it'll last for a lifetime. Uh, we don't really know. We want to be open to whatever the Lord has to, to, to tell us Uh And so just be open to whatever the Lord has and uh, find a friend. Life lesson number three, find a friend for the journey. Um, So what makes this all possible is that Jesus calls us his friend. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples uh, in John 15 that he isn't going to call them servants anymore, but friends. See, the greatest joy of Christianity, the greatest discovery, the greatest truth is that Jesus calls us friends. Uh, we can be called a friend of God. He picks us up when we stumble. He forgives us when we, we sin. Uh, he loves our enthusiasm. Uh, he loves to see what, uh, what, uh, to hear what, what he's doing in our lives, what his father is doing in our lives. Uh, and he's the type of friend, uh, who laid down his life for us. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Uh, and so Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. Uh, and his love for you is what makes your friendship with him and with God possible. So I think there are three kind of life lessons, three takeaways here. Life life lesson number one is to share your excitement for Jesus. Life lesson number two is God works in failure. And life lesson number three is find a friend for the journey. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ. Thank you that he counts us his friends. Lord, we admit that we fail all the time uh, as new believers, as longtime believers, as people who are trying to figure this out, uh, and yet we, we want to be excited and we want to find friends for this journey, Lord. And so I pray that you would connect the right people at Cornerstone, the right people just in the greater kingdom, you know, inside and outside of Cornerstone, um, new believers to long-time believers, new believers to mature believers. Uh, would you connect us together, Lord, so that we have a community where we're growing and Uh, discipleship is happening and uh and like Saul we're figuring it out uh we're we're sharing Christ uh and we're working through it Lord we love you so much and we need you and we just trust you and uh I'm grateful uh to know you Lord uh thank you for saving me uh it's in Jesus name I pray amen